Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Sarah Duran with Fruition Initiatives. She is a freelance project manager and a lot of other things. Sarah, take it away. Tell us who you are and what you do. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, so my name is Sarah Duran. Uh, my company is called Fruition Initiatives, and I wear a lot of hats. By day, I am a freelance project manager, so I spend 80% of my time being a freelancer, working with clients. Um, I manage a lot of large research and programmatic projects for universities, and I do all of that on a freelance basis. And then I also have a variety of side hustles. So I am a coach. I coach other freelancers on business development and time management, productivity, goal setting, all kinds of things like that. I also have a series of courses for freelancers. Um, I blog, I have a Substack. I wrote a book, all kinds of side hustles to basically support other freelancers. So I am a freelancer and I do a bunch of things to support other freelancers, which I personally feel is really important because I feel like it is important when you're teaching other people how to do something or coaching other people on how to do something that you actually know how to do that thing and are like relevantly applying those strategies in your own life all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I coach people or run workshops or anything like that, I'm using strategies and talking about strategies that I use every day with my clients and my projects and my own business. All right, Sarah, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> On your guest interest form that you filled out for me before the interview, you mentioned that you work about 35 hours a week. Is that mm -hmm. doing the freelance work or combined with all of your coaching and extra stuff, blogging and everything, podcasting even? That's, and yes, I also the podcast. Um, that's everything. Um, so I am one of my, which is something I teach other people how to do too. And it's something that comes very natural to me that doesn't come naturally to everyone, which is totally fine. Um, but I am highly structured about how I spend my time. Um, and I, I would say on average 35 hours a week, I think there's definitely weeks where um, I am over that um, or under that, but I would say on average, I'm looking at about 35 hours and that's a, um, a super conscious decision on my part. I select the clients and projects that I work with on the freelance side very intentionally to make sure that I have enough time um, for my family and my uh, four-year-old daughter um, because kids that little take a lot, a lot of time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so do you cherry pick your, your clients that are very high maintenance? <laughs> you must have some great people. I work with the most amazing people and the type of work that I do, I think all freelancers have different types of clients and projects. Um, and that's true for me too. But the vast majority of people I work for, um, like I said, work at universities. So I'm working mostly with faculty at universities who are running large scale research projects. And all of those people have come through referrals. So I do no marketing or advertising for my project management side of my business. Mm -hmm. um, it all comes from word of mouth referrals. And I, most of those people I've worked with for quite some time, I establish long-term client relationships with them and I structure my work, um, the projects, the contracts, the way I structure the engagement with my clients to make sure that A, I'm meeting their needs and B, I'm making sure that it doesn't um, consume my life. So you've been working from home for 10 years, but how many of those years have you been working for yourself? I work for myself for about seven, maybe eight years. I, my company has been around for seven years. I was doing some like one-off contracting before that. 
And before that, I worked for a company where I exclusively worked from home. So working from home for 10 years, but working for myself for, I would say, like between seven and eight. So what path took you here to here? Are you, um, were you a project manager in the past? Mm -hmm. So I um, started my career as a teacher. And after that, I worked for a variety of educational nonprofits. I managed um, large scale research and programmatic programmatic projects. And um, what happened is I ended up getting uh, my dream job um, and it still didn't like check all the boxes for me. I just wasn't, I still wasn't happy. I had checked all of the boxes that I thought I needed to check money, autonomy, working from home, like all kinds of things. And I still was like, why am I not happy? And so I, um, I quit (laughs) and I picked up some contract work to be able to make ends meet while I like figured out what else I wanted to do. Um, I like got my re- my real estate license. I tried a bunch of things. And what happened is the contract work turned out to be pretty lucrative and I kept getting referrals. And so um, some I like to think sometimes that the universe knows better than we do about what we're supposed to do. Right. At, which was for sure the case for me. And so I was like, I guess I'm supposed to be a project management consultant. And that's when I um, started my business. Which boxes were not checked that made you quit? So that's the interesting part is like, I think at the time, I didn't know, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question. Like, I just felt like it, I wasn't happy and I didn't know why. Um, and now looking back on it, I think for me, it was a lot about freedom and control. Um, so working, I know that not everyone who works from home works for themselves. Um, but working for yourself is something that I realized like, it was like destiny for me. Like it may, it changed everything in my life that I felt like was hindering me and like barriers to what I was meant to like do and be. Um, and so I think it all comes down to like control and freedom, like control over the way I spend my time, control over the type of work that I, that I do, um, control over how much money I make, control over the people I work with and the projects I work on. Um, and so I didn't, like I said, I never would have realized that before my parents have owned their own business my entire life. And after watching that, they're incredibly successful and owning your own business is super stressful. (laughs) So I was, I had never, I was like, I will never do that. It's too, it's too much responsibility. It's too much stress. And lo and behold, here I am. And I can never go back. (laughs) Did they help coach you through some of that though, to give you the, I mean, I think, yeah, my mom definitely, my mom runs the like um, office and administrative side of my parents' business. And there are definitely, I was definitely like, how do I start an LLC? What do I do about this tax thing? What if I need a business loan? What if I need insurance? Like, how do I figure, how do I have a retirement plan when I work for myself? So, um, and my dad, I actually have a blog on my website that has, um, that's like specifically tips from my parents about running your own business. Oh, cool. Um, my dad gives me um, all kinds of other advice about like how to treat your employees well, how to say no to things, um, how to prepare for, you know, uncertainty in the marketplace mm. and things like that. So for sure, I've definitely um, gotten a lot of amazing coaching from both of them. Sarah, do you have any employees? 
Technically, no. So I have, I have off and on had a part-time employee who's also my sister, who basically helps me with like um, project coordination and administrative tasks. Um, and um, she recently, she's also an entrepreneur and has a variety of hustles and side hustles of her own. And um, right now she, t- she works for me as a contractor. So technically, no, I do not have actual right. employees, but I do have um, a virtual assistant in the form of my sister who helps me out. So you guys are really into the family business thing. It takes we, a special relationship yeah. to be able to work with someone you're related to. <laughs> totally. I think that, um, I mean, like my sister and I have are very close and, um, basically the reason I hired her is because I was like, I know I can trust you implicitly to do all of these things. So, but yes, not true for everyone. That says a lot about your sister. That's awesome. Yeah. Now you said she's your virtual assistant. So does that mean that you're not like local to each other? We are local, but like, it's, we just never meet in person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, we meet a person for family things, Yes. but we never work together in person. And she is a virtual assistant. That's like what she does. It's one of her many income streams. And so I am just like another one of her virtual assistant clients. And your mom and dad, did they work together in person or was she like running the, yeah, the so they have side from home? Yeah. So they have like a brick and mortar shop. They're painting, they own a painting contracting business. Okay. So they have like a shop and um, a variety of employees and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. And how many years do they do that? They're still doing it. I'm trying to get them to retire. I've been trying to get them to retire for years, which is complicated when you work for yourself, because that means you have to sell your company, Um, which they have, and they're in the process of transitioning out. So that is in progress. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think they've been, they've had their company for, I want to say 38 years. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And will they retire fully or will they be the type of people that keep working um I don't think my dad can ever retire fully um I think he would lose it so I think he will continue to like mentor and be involved in the person they sold the business to and also probably pick up a variety of side hustles yeah (laughs) bring him on (laughs) I know right (laughs) sounds like a wealth of information and knowledge totally absolutely All right. So tell me a little bit about your work from home setup for you personally. Like I like to talk about who you serve, you know, what you do, Mm -hmm. and then also how do you make it work? So um, let's backtrack a little bit. You started working for yourself. You said you have a four-year-old daughter. So you started this business way before she was born. Yep. That's right. How has that progressed and transitioned and evolved over the last seven years? Um, I mean, I will say that I, especially in the beginning, I think the number one thing I found, which I'm sort of like combining working from home and working for yourself for my personal story, but, um, I found right away that I was, um, able to charge more money working for myself than I was working for other people. And so that meant that like, especially in the beginning, I was almost never working full time. Um, and That meant that like my days, like I had a lot of flexibility in how I spent my time. Um, When I got pregnant with my daughter, I was and still am super fortunate to work for um, an amazing set of clients who sort of helped me through that transition um, by like maintaining some flat rate contracts I had while I still um, took some time off and things like that. So like the most amazing 
clients and friends that anyone could ever ask for. Um, and because of those amazing clients and friends, I was also able to have a pretty, I mean, I'm not going to say it was a walk in the park because anyone who tells you having a kid is a walk in the park is lying. Um, it's for sure hard, but because of the flexible nature of my job, I, um, kept my daughter at home with me with a variety of support from like different family members and stuff like that for the first year. Um, and so I would like breath with my camera off, obviously I would like breastfeed on calls or pump or do whatever I needed to do, like Mm -hmm. sit next to her while she was taking a nap, whatever it was. Um, and that transition, um, I had to really learn how to manage my time differently Mm -hmm. because my time was no longer 100% my own. Um, and now I think like, just in terms of like being a parent and working from home slash working for yourself in my context, I have no idea how people do. <laughs> like, I have no, I look back on like when I worked in an office and like commuted and like was in an office building for like nine hours a day. And I have no idea how people like take care of their kids and their house and themselves and their partners while with like those constraints on their time and like being outside of your house for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, because the only way I make when it you're- work when you're outside of your house, you're not making a mess in their house. Well, that is true. That (laughs) is definitely true. But also you're able, like, I'm able to integrate my life into my work in a way that like, I think people that A, don't work from home and people that B, don't work for for themselves just can't do. Um, So personally, I have, I wasn't a parent when I worked for other people, but, uh, but thinking back to what my life looked like back then, I don't know how I would be able to um, be the like best parenting version of myself if I didn't work for from home for myself. Now, the needs of an infant are different than the needs of a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. So have you, um, you said you had some help from family. Did you mm-hmm. also ever need to bring in daycare or anything like that, Nanny? Yep. So we, um, she started going to daycare when she was one. Um, she's never been full-time in daycare and she's in preschool right now and is still only three days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, because we have all of our family, me and my husband, both of our families live here. And so we are incredibly fortunate to have, um, my mom watches her one day a week. My mother-in-law watches her one day a week. Um, and what, and before she started going to daycare, that was just like, I would just like take childcare where I could get it. Like I have a call today. Can someone come watch my kid or like things like that? So, mm-hmm. and because my parents work for themselves, my mom has a more flexible schedule right? than someone who, um, you know, has a normal like nine to five office job. That makes sense. So you have four grandparents? Uh, well, we only have three now. Okay. Um, yes, but we have three grandparents that live here. Okay. And then- they have flexibility too, which makes it help, helps yep, it my, work. Yep. My mother-in-law basically changed her schedule to work four tens mm-hmm. so that she could have a day off a week. And she watches my daughter and my sister-in-law's daughter. So my daughter's okay. cousin. So they could have play dates. Yeah. It's really cousin play dates. Yep. And tell me a little bit about your home office setup. Do you have, do you just work in the middle of everything or do you have a dedicated space? Yeah. So I have a dedicated space. Um, and I, I've had that has sort of like shifted since I started working from home. So in the house we live in now, like this is my office. Um, I have a dedicated space. Um, I, you, I mean, I like, it also has like, you know, 
my books and like other thing of like non-work things in it. Uh, it's sort of like my room. Um, but I do have a dedicated space, which I think is super important when you work from home, even if you don't have the space in your living environment to have a dedicated office. I think having some sort of like space boundary is important. This is a recurring thing I've heard again and again. Do you have a door you can close? Yep. So how do you uh, manage your your schedule throughout the day? Do you like start at a certain time and end at a certain time or are you just willy-nilly it all the way through? Um, my schedule right now is super uh, dictated by my daughter's schedule. <laughs> and so um, on Mondays and Fridays, I have like a nine to five mother or mother-in-law watching her. So I get a full day. Um, on the Tuesday through Thursday, she's at school. So adjusting to school versus daycare was a big shift because daycare is open until six. Oh yeah. Um, school, you got to pick them up at three. Um, and so my days, my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I mean, like my husband also like takes her or picks her up from school too. So it's not always me. Um, but my schedule is a lot more flexible than his because okay. he has a nine to five job working for someone else. Okay. And so, um, Usually my day will end at three when I leave to go pick her up. And sometimes I will do work when I come home. Um, but other than that, like I, I try to structure my days and my weeks look very different depending on what's going on in the projects that I manage. Mm-hmm. But I try to structure my time, like I said, super intentionally. So like I, I don't take any calls or do meetings on Mondays. That's like an exclusive work day. And then I try to cluster my calls across like Tuesday through Thursday and leave Friday as an exclusive workday too. Um, and then I think like the beauty of working for yourself is that like sometimes I'll, I'll also be like, I'm taking three hours on this day to go run or go get a massage or like whatever it is. Um, I'm definitely not doing that every single week, but <laughs> here and there throughout the month, Um Uh, because I think that's the other thing about being a parent is like your weekends are not your own anymore either. And so (laughs) some of those self-care things I um, try to make time for during the quote unquote work day. So it sounds as though if you have Mondays and Fridays as dedicated work days, so Mm -hmm. your clients are trained to not call you on those days. Oh no. I mean, I still, I still am like, actively like answering emails and like I'm on Slack yeah, and yeah. all those things during those days. Okay. I just am I don't usually schedule calls on okay. So but if you need I make to take exceptions. a day off. Yeah. It's hard like when you work across as many different people as I work with, um that's not always possible because sometimes Friday is like the only day that people can do a call and then of mm-hmm. course I'm gonna do it. But of in course. general I try to protect those two days as work days. Uh is the nature of your work seasonal in any way since you're working for a, a university? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it basically follows like a school schedule, which is really nice. Um, like they're most of them take like two weeks off at the end of December and the summers, it's not like people are like fully taking summers off, but summers are for sure slower. Mm-hmm. Um, so like fall, like right now is basically like my busiest season um, fall and then, um, like, you know, slows down the end of December and then January through, I would say like May, and then, um, everything will slow down until like beginning of August. Can you give us a sneak peek into what the, um, to what project management for researchers is like? Cause it's maybe not exactly what I would have thought of when I thought of project management. Sure. 
So um, all of the projects that I manage have to do with education because that's what my background is in. And that's kind of like where my network lies. So that's like I said, all how I find all my clients um, and the projects really vary. So ma- mostly I run um, like pro- I mo- run like project logistics and like help them with project strategy. So the way that like research projects like this work is like they will write a grant, um, a grant application for like, I want to do this project. Or a foundation will put out like a request for proposals. Like we want this project to happen. We're looking for people who want to do it. Right. When you write in a lot of my long-term clients, write me into those grants. So I'm literally a line item in their budget. Um, Again, the benefit of the long-term client relationships. Right. And um, then um, once they get that grant. So when you write the grant, you write all these like big lofty ideas, these like really detailed research plans. Um, And then you have to make it happen. Like once you get the money in the door, then you're like, oh, now we have to make all these things happen. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, all of these people also like are faculty. So they teach, they have super busy lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And managing project logistics is just not really what they should be doing, quite frankly. Like it's not the best use of them, of their time. So I guess, so like an example is... um, I ran a randomized control trial for full versus um, half day pre-K. So in a school district in Colorado, they ran a lottery, half the kids got full day, half the kids got half day. And then like we did a variety of assessments across all of those kids and were able to say at the end and like longitudinally is full better than half. Um, and so in terms of the logistics, I like design the timeline and communicate with people who are doing the assessments, communicate with the school district, like help with grant reports, all that kind of stuff. Makes so much more sense to me that you're talking about education for the research, because when I think of research and education, my husband was uh, in grad school for seven years when we got married and, but he was like in physics. Mm. And so I'm Mm -hmm. thinking like, you know, those kinds of like scientific laboratories where this is more educational research. That's really cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, um, what do your summers look like then? So I, um, th- my summers are slower for sure. And at the beginning of this summer, so this past summer was the first summer that my daughter was in like school instead of daycare. So she, mm-hmm. I didn't have, <laughs> um, childcare during the right. summer. Um, I still had my like Monday, Friday, and we piece some other things together in there um, with our families. But I had to be, I had, I looked at it as an opportunity because my daughter is so young. I, I consider it like a privilege that I get to be able to spend these summers with her, which like mm-hmm. most people that don't work for themselves don't get to do unless you're a teacher um, or someone else that works in the school. Um, and so I had to make some really conscious decisions. I actually had the universe was really testing me at the beginning of the summer because I had actually a lot of people reach out being like, Hey, I have this new project. Hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do this? And I actually had to turn down multiple people to be like, and I, it's hard as a freelancer. Um, you have this like feast famine mentality. And so you, Oh, you never, you have this thing in your head where you're like, never turn down work because maybe it's not going to be there tomorrow. So I have to take it today. And so it was hard. Um, I tried to really protect my time during the summer. Um, And basically like what summers looked like is I had uh, childcare like three days a week. And then there were two days a week where I would just like wing it. And what that usually looked like is either I would um, do like I would have client calls on those days and like 
Sometimes she would just like watch Peppa Pig for an hour while I did a call or things like that. And then I would also deliberately like carve out big parts of those days or entire days where it's like, we're just going to go do summer together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very um, fly by the seat of your pants type of situation. You were still working. It was just a lighter schedule and that totally. was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I, de- I definitely understand the whole like feeling like, oh, I need to just take all the work I can get. But at the same time, this is my kid. <laughs> yeah. So. It's a super hard. It Even going into it, like I said out loud, like I, we had an episode of our podcast at the beginning of the summer where I was like, I am making a commitment right now. Like this is the summer of mama and Luna. Luna is my daughter. And I had to go back to that. Like every time I was like, should I take this project? Should I take this project? I had to go back to that every single time. You committed. So it was not, it's not easy. It's not easy. You committed on a public forum too. I did. I did. So I really had to hold myself accountable. Oh, so my take on things like Peppa Pig, well, I don't, we don't like that show, but um, screen time in general, you know, we restrict to some degree. My kids mm-hmm. think we're, you know, hardcore about it, but we're not, they, they watch plenty. Um, but we've learned that if you restrict it, you know, like when you're having family time, mm-hmm. you know, do games and go to the park and all that, that when you really, really need to work, if they haven't watched their show in a few days or weeks, that's right. They're really engaged in that show for those, you know, during that hour. There's, um, oh, I've, I think I've talked about this before, but we have a scale. Now, your daughter's younger. Ours are um, 7, 10, and almost to 12. So, you know, we're dealing with different ages. But we'll say, you know, you can only watch something that's educational um, level 8 and up. And to, level, to them, level 8 means Octonauts, Wildcrats. Eight and nine would be what Wild Kratts and Octonauts and some of these, you know, like math shows that mm-hmm. aren't too silly. Um, level 10 is like straight up documentary. And so every once in a while, when my husband and I both were in a call at the exact same time and we could not be interrupted, we'd be mm-hmm. like, you can watch level zero, you know, <laughs> <laughs> level zero is like just silly antics with no, yep. you know, they don't even speak words. They're just yep. like, you know, rah, rah, <laughs> noises. Yep. Um, level one is just like garbage TV and we're like, you can watch anything you want on Netflix kids or something like that. And they will be super engaged because they only get that like twice a year. Yep. Yep. (laughs) When you ration it, it makes, it makes a big difference. And it's funny because I wrote a lot of my research papers in grad school on the detrimental effects of screen time and children. And I'm telling kids (laughs) you can watch garbage, but it's only like twice a year, you know? Yeah. So you make it work. (laughs) You do. You make it work. And I would say like now the age she's at now, she's able, like she can like go outside and play while I'm on a call. If I'm on a call where like, like, you know, there are different types of, like you said, if you're on a call where like you absolutely cannot be interrupted, that's a different thing. But again, like my, the majority of my clients are just like so awesome and wonderful. And we all know, especially after COVID, like kids are just like part of the scene. Like you just do life and work with kids. And so, um, yeah, she's now at the age where like, I always try first to be like, Hey, why don't you just go outside and play? Or like, here's an activity you can do semi-independently while Mm -hmm. I get this thing done, but pulling out the TV when you have to. Yeah. We, when we were, um, all five of us were at home for 16 months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, there were certain things that 
were always available. Um, to- like magnet tiles, mm-hmm. uh, Legos, connects. Um, but what we didn't let them do independently was painting and Play-Doh. <laughs> yep. Because they're like, nope, not going to come downstairs That's to right. that mess. Yeah, for sure. So you said your husband works for an employer. Um, mm-hmm. How do you guys d- divide household duties? I know that you're at home, but does it all fall on you? That's a great question. Um, so my husband works from home like two to three days a week. Okay. Um, and the other two to three days a week, he's in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you work from home and especially when you work for yourself, cause I think it just gives you like a higher level of like freedom over your, how you control your time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a blessing and a curse. So like I automatically have a more flexible schedule than he does, which means that like, I can like drop everything and go pick up my daughter at three o'clock or like whatever that is. He can still do those things, but he just has to like plan ahead and like map out his work time Mm -hmm. around that and usually do more work when he gets home from picking her up. Um, So I would say like we still divide things um, like intentionally between each other, excuse me, between each other. But um, I think that I also naturally like... I know that the way that I work is a privilege and I'm okay being like, Hey, it's great that you have a quote unquote normal job because then we get all those benefits and that 401k. And so that means that like, I'm willing to be the one that like does the laundry throughout the day. Like in between calls, I'll go switch the laundry or like unload the dishwasher, like some of those things, because I think it's just like a trade-off of like, you're you have a more structured nine to five scenario Mm -hmm. but we also get like a lot of benefits from that that are really important it's true so my husband and I so it used to be that I was the one that was working from home all the time 40 hours a week and he was always on site and like actually that last spring the tables got turned he was always working from home 100% of the time well 80 85% of the time I was working actually temporarily at a school actually two different schools, 48 hours a week. And, um, I would come home and I'd be like, have you not done any laundry all week? <laughs> mm-hmm. And cause I always did. And I guess, you know, like we have maybe not so officially, but very unofficially, um, you know, divided some duties. Like he always yep. takes out the trash. I always switch the laundry. Actually, I make the kids switch it because it hurts my back sometimes when I lean in. But I always make sure it gets started and I always make sure people switch it. Yep. And um, and then he usually takes on the folding because I hate folding. Um, but I, I realize that it is not on his radar to mm-hmm. start a load ever. Yep. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to actually like text him and be like, could you please switch the laundry if I'm gone all day? Because he just won't remember. He'll remember yep. other things. Yeah. It's um, funny how you, yeah, I think that what, what you said about like unofficial unof- and unofficial ways that you divide those things, like sometimes it just happens mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, this is the thing that I always do. And when those things have to switch, it's like hard to make the mental <laughs> switch in your head. We had to have an actual conversation. I would say it was probably four years into our marriage where I, I guess in general, he has different, you know, expectations about what the house needs, you know, what, what the priorities are in the house. Mm -hmm. And I'm a more social person. (laughs) And so to me, it's more important to have relationships and to have a super clean house. And, but we had this conversation and it was, I said, 
hey, if you were to walk into the house and everything was a mess and you only had 30 minutes and you needed to prioritize two things, what would be the first two things that you would do? And he said that he would pick up all of the clutter on the floor. Like we had little kids at the time. That was his priority. And I was like, oh, because I always would go to the dishes and laundry first. I would always make sure that those get started. And that was like the last thing that he would do. And it just helped us to be able to verbalize that, that we wouldn't start in the same place. And just to know that. So like, if I ever see him doing dishes and laundry, then that means that he's already, you know, done his tidy up thing that he likes to do Yeah, where I'm like, ah, the kids are going to play with the toys all day anyway. Just let them stay out. Um, you know, but the, the dishes and laundry, cause I feel like if the dishwasher is running and the laundry is running, I'm still working. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Those are two things where you're like, and then you take like the five minutes you need to take to like unload or switch laundry or whatever it is. But yeah. Those are, those are two of the things that like, I always, I'm like, it's like a no break. It's like a non thing. It's like not even a thing. You're just like, it's going. And I do You're talk, I would, I would say, I don't, I don't want to say that 50%, but maybe 25% of the people that I talk to in these interviews are like, oh yeah, we just outsource all that. You know, like we just have people come in and clean our house. Um, we yeah. haven't typically done that. I've had people come help me on occasion, but definitely not on like a weekly or bi-weekly <laughs> Basis. Yes. I mean, we did. I will say that like we when was it? I think it was when my daughter started real school. Um, We do have someone clean our house once a month, nice. which was like a big negotiation because it like it was like, really? Like, do mm-hmm. we need this? And I was like, yes, because I think, like you said, the things that are important, like I maybe I'm like more like your husband where I'm like, I constantly need things to be clean, which means that like during the day, I'm just like doing it constantly mm-hmm. because I'm like if it's dirt like I can't I can't <laughs> like survive and um I was like it it will make such a big difference for like my productivity my mental health even if it's once a month because it just gives me like a baseline mm-hmm. to work off of for the rest of the month so yep. I will say that like we did um we have done that like I think it's been about a year now that we've cool. been doing that once a month and it's and like the day after or the day she comes like by the end of that day, I just am like, it's, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world to have yeah. this like super clean house that, um, I didn't have to clean. Well, it's kind of like you, I mean, like you said, it helps me work better. It gives me better pro- yeah. productivity. Um, I would say there are, there have been a few days that I've had to just tell my husband, I'm like, Hey, I have a really packed work day. I have back to back to back, you know, interviews or calls or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, doing a 12 hour thing on a resume that I'm working on. Don't expect me to clean the house. Mm -hmm. I'm home because I am working. And, you know, sometimes I'll just have to tell him so that he doesn't come home with a, you know, what you've been doing all day kind of, you know, you know, question Not that he he's, he's wonderful. I have like the best husband ever, but you know, there's just expectations. (laughs) Yeah. I will say like on the flip side, a conversation that my husband has had to have with me is when he's working from home that I'm not like, Hey, could you just like take half an hour and like go mow the lawn in the middle of the day? Mm. Because he's like, my job is not like yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, and in my mind, it's something that's like super quick. Like it's like a lunch break. Like I'm not asking him to like not do his job. I'm just like, Oh, could you do these like three quick things? Like I do these three quick things every day. And I think we had to have a conversation about like, he had to draw boundaries around like when I work from home, I still have to just like work. 
like yeah. all day. Like it's I can't. Like I'm at the office. <laughs> yeah. He's like, pretend I'm at the office. Like m- maybe I will like make you lunch when I make myself lunch and I will mm-hmm. like put those dishes away. But other than that, like just pretend I'm not here. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, um, it definitely, it's super important to have those explicit conversations, I think, but no okay. matter what it is. So let's talk about the paradox of working from home. You are a project manager, mm-hmm. but we're also talking about getting distracted with household stuff. Yep. You wrote a blog about this. Do you want to kind of sum that up? Yeah. So I think that, um, in my mind, and this actually, I wrote this blog um, right after I like left the job I was working for, where I worked from home, but for someone else. Okay. And, um, I think in my mind, what I realized when I started working from home was there are two things that can happen that are, feel like opposite ends of the spectrum. Either you're so you're concentrating so hard that you don't stop and, um, you just get like sucked in or it's super hard to concentrate. And I think that, that can be, um, that can feel different depending on what kind of person you are. Um, it can or also, what day feel, it is. or what day it is, right? Like the same person, different day. Like you could be totally focused or totally unfocused. Um, for me, I mean, like, I think the house cleaning is like a perfect example for me is like, I will spend time like cleaning the house if it is not clean. Cause I just can't like, it just like really bothered, like walking through a dirty house. Like I just can't do it. Um, when you work for your, when I, when you work for yourself, that often means that like the work that I needed to do during the day, just like goes somewhere. Like I still have to do it. Um, I just am not doing it in the moment that I should be doing it. Um, and so for me, I think there's like sort of the same strategies address both of these issues. So one of them we've already talked about, which I think is creating your own space. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started working for myself, I would just like wake up and grab my laptop and sit in the bed. Like I would go grab a cup of coffee. I would get back in my bed and I would just work. And then it was like noon before I knew it. I hadn't eaten. I hadn't gone dressed. I just been like working for hours in my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had, when I built in a transition to like, okay, I have an office or I have a space in my house where like, this is where work happens. Then I had to like consciously make that transition to like come from. And this is obviously before I had a kid. Cause no mm-hmm. one with a kid just like gets a cup of coffee <laughs> and <get> back <laughs> in bed. Um, but um, I had to consciously make um, the shift to that space. Um, I think that also like, when I'm in that space, it helps with the distraction part too, because I, even if the house is messy out there, like I'm in here, mm-hmm. um, I can't, I'm not out there. Um, like, look, I'm not sitting at my kitchen table, like looking at the dirty dishes or something while I'm working. Right. Um, so yeah, that's my creating your space is my first tip about, um, that paradox. Um, the second one is having a schedule. Um, so I think when you, especially when you work for yourself, you have like, like apart from like calls with clients, you have all these things you have to do by like maybe the end of the week or maybe the end of the month, Mm -hmm. but it's like hard to figure out like where they go and like how you're going to get them all done, which leads to sometimes like you get, you're like, oh, I have all these things to do, but they don't have to be done until Friday. Like I have plenty of time to get that done, which can lead to you getting, distracted by whatever it is and, um, not actually doing it. Um, so I'm like very intentional about how I schedule my day 
And um, at the beginning of the week, I schedule in like, I have like my things that are non-negotiables, client calls, whatever those things are. I literally put work time on my calendar for things that have to happen. And I map out like anything that I need to do for myself. So like whether it's a workout, whether it's a going to get the car washed, picking up my daughter, like whatever it is, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that way I know that like every single thing that I have to do is accounted for. Um, And I do that like during the week, but also like across the month, if I have like longer term deliverables or things like that, um, it's completely mapped out. So when I get like three weeks down, I'm like, oh, that thing that has to be done by the end of the month is already there. Mm -hmm. And I don't forget about it. I had, I had a weird thing that I've kind of noticed myself doing the last few weeks. Um, I've been doing some freelance writing for a resume writer. And I find that during the daytime when I technically could have time to work on it, I sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, but I could run this errand. I could go to the shop, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, these these little things that have to happen. Not like I'm shopping, (laughs) but like, you know what I mean? Like just errands. Um, and I had worked 13 years from home at night and I never wanted to go back to my nighttime, you know, work schedule, third shift nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm finding myself that I'm getting work done at night. And like, after the kids go to bed, I'll stay up. And sometimes I'll even pull all nighter to get it done because the house is super quiet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but the house is quiet during the daytime too. Why am I not getting it done? And I just, I don't know if I slipped into like an old habit or if I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I think that, um, so I have this whole, it's like actually a challenge on my website, like a 15 day challenge. It's called be the boss of your time. Mm -hmm. And I think this is super interesting. I think about this a lot. I'm actually reading, I don't have it in here. I'm reading a book right now about time. That's super Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, I'm like obsessed with time. It's like my number one obsession, but I think that's absolutely right. So like, I'm sort of the opposite. I actually work best, like super early in the morning. Um, so I would much rather wake up at like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. and like work than work at night. Like I literally can't. Like my brain just like shuts off at night. Like it won't do it. Yeah. But I think that um, whether you work for yourself or someone else, if you have that kind of flexibility of like these things have to get done, but you can do them whenever you want. I mean, I think there's always the question about like, do you like doing that? Right. So like if maybe like pulling an all nighter might be extreme example, but like if you feel like you are more productive at night, then like maybe there are ways to structure your day so that that's okay. Or maybe at least um, so I don't have to work literally all night, you know, that I could finish up in the early, you know, wee mornings, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but not like, you know, I. I wouldn't be a big deal if I finished work at 1 a.m. I just don't like finishing work at 9 a.m. Yeah, that's probably not good. Which is what I used to do. Your but... kids are awake during the day. Like yeah. you don't have a, it's not like you're going back to bed after they go. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think like being conscious of that is super important. And I think it's like the easiest way. It's one of the key ways I think about really understanding how to be productive is understanding how, when, and um, why you do your best work. So like that also may vary depending on what you're doing. Um, Like sometimes for me, like when I, when I write, like if I have to write a blog or something, I um, 
have like a certain kind of music I turn on and like I sometimes have to like get out of the house like I need Mm -hmm. to go like sit somewhere else to do it Mm -hmm. which is another like space boundary I think that like working from home people have this um freedom to like if you need to get out of the house you still have plenty of options and I think nowadays even more options than there were before like co-working spaces and all kinds of cool stuff where like Sometimes even when you work from home, you have to get out of the house. Yeah. And absolutely. that's like the solution. Um, I find that I get so much more work done if I'm sitting in a coffee shop than I do if I'm sitting in my house. Um, and it really depends on the kind of work. Like yeah. that's not true for all the kinds of work that I do. I could check emails from a coffee shop, but I can't write my blog from See? a coffee shop because I have to have quiet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, even when you said turn on a certain kind of music, I'm like, I can't have music. I have to actually put white noise in my ears. If my family's in the house, I have to fill my ears with white noise. I think, I mean, but like, that's exactly the kind of, like, you know that about Mm -hmm. yourself, right? And so that means that you can, like, build those intentional, you can build that environment that's going to lead you to doing your best work and being the most productive that you can be. A lot of people don't, um um don't like explicitly know those things about themselves and so they constantly like aren't getting things done and if you do like a simple inventory of like how when why Mm -hmm. do you do your best and where do you do your best work then you're able to really like craft your day and your week to you know be your optimal work environment whatever that might be and then somehow I think that I have figured out like there's certain kinds of work I'll do in this office I'm actually in a closet um, I have a desk next to my husband's desk in our room. Um, that's where we ended up setting him up during the pandemic. And then I, it's funny because I'm like, you know, ergonomics are key. <laughs> um, but for some reason, I do some of my best writing at the kitchen table. We got a different table mm-hmm. with a different style of chair. And if I sit in it just right, I'm I'm pretty comfortable for a while. And so I think somehow I've associated writing with sitting at the kitchen table, which is not always available during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. But it's like, it's also those like little things, like even the chair, it's like, you want to be comfortable, but not too comfortable. Like <laughs> I actually do most of my writing in this like chair behind me oh, yeah? where I'm like, I'm just like hunkered down, like typing, <laughs> like, and, and it doesn't like by the end of the day, like my back hurts, my neck hurts, but I'm like, it's the only place I can do it. Like I can't do it anywhere else. And so it's like, sometimes it's, just, it's those weird things. I'm going to have to experiment with tricking my brain. Like I'm going to force myself to write at these other locations that might be more ergonomic um, and see if one of them might start to stick. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Test it out. What else did you learn from your time management book? What what was the title of that? Do you remember? Um, So the one I'm reading right now is called Happier Hour. And um, I can't, the exact subtitle, I'm not going to get it right. It's something about like avoid distraction, maximize your time something like that. Um, but if you Google happier hour, it's, it's really good. It has a bunch of like great research. It reinforces a lot of the things that I've used in my own work and my work, like my coaching work about helping people better use their time. So, um, but she employs like a bunch of strategies about, she does like a time mapping thing, similar to, similar to like what I've been talking about, the way I use my calendar. Um, she also, And I've heard this story before, but she talks about um, our professor who had a jar that was filled with golf balls, filled it with golf balls. Is it empty? So you you know this one, right? Mm -hmm. Then he fills it with sand or he fills it with beans. Is it empty? He fills it with sand. Is it empty? Then he fills it with liquid. So it's like never empty. 
but if you didn't, if you didn't put the golf balls in first, they would never fit. If you put mm-hmm. everything else in first, you'd never get the golf balls. Mm-hmm. So she also has this thing about like, what are the big, what are the priorities um, in your life? And then a super interesting one. I heard her on the reason I bought the book is I heard her on um, Hidden Brain, the podcast on NPR. And during that interview, she said something that really stuck with me that I actually haven't gotten to this part of the book yet. But she said that she teaches a class at uh, her university is in California, but I'm not going to remember exactly which university it is, but she teaches a class on happiness, basically. And in her class, she has her students write their obituary because she's like, how do you want people to remember you? Like, what do you want people to say about you at the end? And a lot of times when you write that down and then look at the way you're actually spending your life, they don't align. And it was like this huge, like, aha, I was like, oh, that's so smart. Like, even if you don't write a whole obituary, if you just like think about like, what do you want people to say about you? It really like refocuses the quality of how you spend your time or what you prioritize in your life. Um, and so that was like the, that's the reason I bought the book <laughs> and it's, um, it's been super good. Um, I really like it. My other, my other favorite book about productivity and time is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, he's also an academic and he um, writes about um, like how to get into a flow state. So how to get into this, base, like basically what we've been talking about, how do you get into a state where you're like zeroed in, completely focused and like doing your best work, whatever that specific mm-hmm. work might be. And he has all kinds of great strategies in his book for doing that too. So those, that's a really good one too. I feel like you have also written a book. Can you talk about that a minute? I have written a book. Um, So earlier this year, I published my first book, which is called Instant Freelancer, How to Build a Business of One. And um, it's basically like soup to nuts, how to get started as a freelancer. And then how do, my biggest thing is when you, the reason that people should work for themselves is because they have a much higher level control of what their life looks like. Mm -hmm. And you're able to make your work serve your life in a way that you can't always do. It's not impossible, but you can't always do when you right. work for other people. And so it's not just like this, the logistics of starting your business, but it's how do you build a business that gives you the life you want to live? And how do you maintain a business and shift your business as needed to continue to make that true? Now, all over this guest interest forum, you mentioned that you you work with people who are you know, trying or striving to achieve a six-figure income consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people are you working with on that? Do you have any things coming um, up where people could sign up or? Yeah. So I have, um, I do, I have a variety of courses. I also do one-on-one coaching with people. Um, and then the thing that I'm really focused on right now, which registration is currently open for is this small group, um, mastermind that I run for solopreneurs. And so when I say solopreneurs, I really mean like freelancers, consultants, um, people that work for themselves primarily by themselves. It doesn't mean that you don't have like maybe a virtual assistant or maybe like a business Mm -hmm. partner. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm finding is that people need accountability rituals. And so what I do with my one-on-one clients is like, depending on the client, we will like meet once a month and we like build goals together and then check in on those goals. And you have that monthly accountability where you're going through a process to like check in and revise and make sure your goals are still the right goals and you're still making progress towards them. 
and talking about actual strategies. Like if your goal is to get more clients, what are some ways that we could go about that? Mm-hmm. And so I'm launching this mastermind program. Um, registration will be open until uh, early November. And um, it's basically that process that I do with my one-on-one clients in a small group setting. And so there will be those same accountability rituals um, built in and we'll be able to like leverage the experience of the group to support each other. Um, I am not an expert in anything. <laughs> I take that back. I'm an, I'm an expert in some things, but I'm not an expert in everything. And I think that um, when you work for yourself, you have so much to offer to other people and solopreneurs, especially often feel like pretty isolated when you work by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm still taking one-on-one coaching clients, but this is my, um, this is what I really wanted my focus of 2023 to be. It's a year long program. Um, and Yeah, it will be. And I think like, I think the money thing is important. So um, when I coach people or run workshops about goal setting, um, the first thing we do is get super clear on like what they need and what they want. And a lot of times money is one of those things. And there's a lot of like um, shame around money. There's a lot of like preconceived notions around money. There's a lot of like societal pressures around money. Um, I will never say that money is not important. I think Mm -hmm. money is very important in this society that we live in. Um, But often it is like not the main reason. It is not the focus of why people do what they do. Um, And so it's really a part of like a comprehensive goal setting process to make sure that your business is giving you what you want. Is this going to be the original group or have you done a mastermind like this in the past? This will be the first group. So I've been running, um, I've been using the same process with my one-on-one coaching clients, and I've been running a series of workshops um, around with this same um, format. Um, But this is the first time I'll do it in like a year long program. So I have done it in a group setting, but Mm -hmm. it's really just like a three-part workshop and then everyone's like Mm -hmm. off on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, So this will be the first time that we, I'm sort of combining the monthly like check-in process in a group setting. As we're winding down, because I know we both have to get out of here. Um, let's talk about, is there anything else that you would recommend to someone who's thinking about starting working from home for the first time that you haven't already mentioned? Um, I mean, I would say, I would say like, do it. It's wonderful. I would say, I guess the first thing I would say, especially um, if depending on the format of like how and why you're working from home, when I first started working from home, I was like really lonely. <laughs> so all I had was like zoom call, like I had zoom calls with people during the day, but I think it really caught me off guard about how much I missed like having work colleagues. And so I would say like, make like introverts, extra extroverts, like people are different whatever that means for you, whether it's like one close personal friend or like some sort of group, um, build that in because it really caught me off guard how lonely I was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was more intentional about like building in coffee dates or whatever it is um, with my like colleagues and friends, um, it really helped. And where can everyone find you? So my website is fruitioninitiatives.com. And, um, yeah, from my homepage, you'll be able to find everything from my courses to my blog. Um, I also have a Substack. My hub Substack is called, um, the hustlers manifesto. Um, and 
yeah, everything else, uh, everything else about me is all on my website. Fruition, fruition initiatives. Yep. Fruition initiatives.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today, Sarah. I appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, this has been April Malone with Sarah Duran and yes, I work from home and we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>